0: See if they've got this on. You got it on? They're checking. Got it? Okay, good. As they were singing, it reminded me, back when I was in the seminary, we had a professor, Mervyn Maxwell, Dr. Mervyn Maxwell, who always, before he started the class, he would always have the class sing a song. And to hear the male voices uplift a spiritual song, it just does something to you. And I just appreciated the male voices that were here. I could even hear you tenors. That's pretty good. Bass was strong, but I was glad to hear the tenors as well, too. Glad you hear. Frank says they were going to sing three songs first, so I may want to cut the sermon down to keep the time in play. You don't ever tell a pastor to cut a sermon back. He usually preaches longer. My mother went to uh, visit my aunt at her house. My aunt, you have to realize, was suffering from Alzheimer's, that dreaded disease that hits so many people. And as she went to visit her and was talking to my uncle came into the room began to give her directions of what she needed to do, my aunt needed to do and everything. And and he told her and, and then he left the room and my aunt turned to my mother and said, who was that man? She didn't even know who he was. I wonder sometimes if we don't ask the question, who is that man? When we're referring to Jesus. As we get closer to the second coming of Christ, some are going to ask this question that was asked of Jesus back in John 8 and verse 25, where the religious leaders said, who are you? You imagine that saying to Jesus, who are you? And these were the ones that were the leaders of the church. These are the ones who should have known who Jesus was. They studied the scriptures. And yet they didn't recognize that he was the Messiah. Many of us have a fear. When we face what the Bible calls the, the time of Jacob's trouble We fear, am I going to really make it? I think really what we should be asking ourselves is, can I answer the question to myself, who is Jesus? Who is he really? Because that's really the key. It's not what I do. It's whether I believe in what. He does. By the way, here's your Christmas card. Consider it delivered. (laughs) Saves me postage. But, you know, I found out that the answer of really who Jesus is is actually written in Christmas cards. And you have them before you each year. They come in the mail. Well, when they raise the postage up, you may not be getting as many. But when they come... The answer is right there before our eyes, and we don't see it. Who is Jesus? Matthew 1, verse 23. Have you seen this written on Christmas cards? Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. doesn't say God beside us or God behind us. But God with us. So in my explanation, in my uh, what I need to have explained to me and my understanding is if he is with me, who is he? Because if I don't understand who he is, how am I going to get through life? Again, another Christmas card, you've seen it on the Christmas cards, Isaiah nine, verse six. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. You've heard it. You've read it on the Christmas cards. You go to Handel's Messiah, you hear that wonderful, wonderful music as they're singing these wonderful words of description of Jesus. But have you ever really stopped to look at the words? Have you really stopped to really understand what each one of those words mean? We, we have each one of these things and we have them written in English. And we see those words and we say, OK, but really what is the meaning in the true language If we need to understand what it is, you have to go back. The Old Testament is Hebrew. New Testament is Greek, most of it. So since this is in the Old Testament, what does the Old Testament Hebrew mean that we translate in English? You see, the Hebrew language is a very picturesque language. It's to draw a picture in your mind. So when you hear that word You say, oh, yeah, I understand. But we don't usually have that in English. If we were to have it in the Hebrew, the description that was there, we would have such a huge Old Testament that it would take volumes for us to carry them to church. So I like doing word studies. I like to look up what the original language is. And to see what it says and to see what the tenses are and to see if it can help me to understand who Jesus really is. John 1 verse 12 reads this way. But many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. See, we read in Isaiah, this is his name, and they give all those words. It's a description of who Jesus is. And then we're seeing here in John that it's saying that if we want to become children of God, we have to believe in his name, whatever it is. So what is it? First of all, we want to look at the word that we translate unto us. It really means for our benefit. So when when Isaiah was predicting the coming of Jesus, who was before that he said that it would be coming to a virgin, to a woman in Bethlehem, even pinpointed of the town, the very town it was going to be in, so that we would have no no misunderstanding that he's talking about Jesus who fulfilled those things. But he's coming, his name is. His his coming to this earth is for our benefit. He isn't coming here just because he wants to visit our planet. He's here to be able to help us. Even though it happened over 2,000 years ago, his coming, we can still begin to see in those names something about Jesus that is there for us today for our benefit. So let's look at the name. Wonderful. Now, you've already got some type of a mental picture in your mind of what that word wonderful means. But in the Hebrew, we translate it this way. It literally means God. God's care is beyond human capabilities. Think of that for a moment. God's who is here for our benefit, Jesus is God, His care, His his coming is there, and His care for us is beyond what we could ever even think or imagine. Isn't that helpful to you? We, We think in human terms of what God should be doing for us, but really what this is saying is, it goes far beyond that. Far more than you could ever imagine. And then we have the word wonderful. God's care is beyond human capabilities. But then we add to that. That he is our counselor. Let's go to counselor. By the way, it also means to make mercy available. The word counselor is not what we think of today. It's not. The guy that you pay money to and you go to his office and you sit down and he tells you what you should be doing and what you shouldn't be doing. And then charges you for it. The word counselor in the Hebrew means my will, my purpose, my plan will be established within your life. I I want the will of God to be established in my life. And his will is that he wants not to come to condemn us, but to save us. That's his will. Don't you think he knows how to do it? I mean, if, if he can work beyond the capabilities of any human being, don't you think that he has a plan established for your life? And he's going to help you carry out that plan if you believe that he can do it? That's what he wants to do. So he's got this plan. He's the one that understands. When no one else does my life. He understands all the things that I'm going through. He understands what I will go through in the future that I don't even know yet. He's the one that stands by us. Remember, he's coming unto us. He's with us when everyone else turns away. He's the one who can can help us confront the things that have happened in the past and begin a new life. He can help us with the things that we face in the future that would scare us half to death if we knew what was going to take place. Isaiah says that Jesus is the mighty God. The word mighty means righteousness will prevail in the Hebrew. The word God means power like a mighty oak. An oak tree. Our kids used to have this big, huge oak tree in the backyard. Big thing. It was strong. I mean, we... we would take our grandkids and climb in that tree and you could build a tree house in there. They had to cut some branches. It was hard work with a saw, a regular saw to try to cut that branch off. An oak tree is, is mighty and it's strong. And that's what the picture is with God. He is a strong, powerful God. And you put the two words together and it's a promise from our powerful God That righteousness through Jesus Christ will prevail. I'm glad of that. Glad it's not dependent upon my righteousness because I'll never make it. It's His righteousness that will prevail. The next name or title is the Everlasting Father. Now, a lot of theologians argue about this. How can Jesus be the Everlasting Father? Well, they're misunderstanding a lot of the words. We're thinking that he's claiming that he's God the Father, but we know that when Jesus was here on this earth, when he prayed, he prayed to his Father. So what is this saying? Well, it has the meaning in Hebrew of someone that we have chosen To be our authority. He is my authority throughout all eternity. So Jesus, the Messiah, will not, as in the case of an earthly king, leave his people destitute... After a short reign and then say, it's it's up to you, you've got to work it out your own way. But when he is in control, he's promising that he will bless us continually. We just have to choose to allow him to be the authority of our life. To be able to protect me and to lead me to safety. So here we have the presence of God with us to see us through any challenge of life, if I'm willing to allow him to do so. And then he's called the Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. The word prince in Hebrew means the supreme commander that brings fulfillment and righteousness to his people. The word peace means safety. So when you put them together, it says the supreme commander, Jesus, has an obligation to bring his people through strife to a place of complete safety. What do we have to worry about? That's his job. Why do I worry about these things that that are happening in this world today? And why do I worry about... Things that are happening in my own personal life. If I choose him to be the supreme commander, if I'm willing to get this guy that is the mighty oak that is there, that is strong. If I'm willing to have this God that promises that he's going to be with us and he's not going to leave us and he's going to guide us and it's his righteousness that's going to be carried through. What have I got to worry about? His perfect love casts out should cast out all my fears. I found something exciting. It talks about the prince of peace, this supreme commander that's going to lead us through any kind of strife, until he, he, we get to this place of safety. As I'm looking at the word study, as I'm looking at what the ancient Hebrew says, you know what the literal translation of it is? It is finished. That's what Jesus said on the cross. It's finished. Jesus is going to lead me, He's promised now. By going through each one of those things of his name, he's going to guide me until we come to safety, where we get into the heavenly kingdom, where there will be no more death, no more sorrow, no more sickness, no more pain. And he can stand there and be able to say there isn't any more evil. Destruction will take place. He's going to say, now it's finished. You're here. You're safe. I told you I'd get you there. John 20, verse 31. These are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in His. And we just went through what His name, His titles were. Isaiah gave them to us. We've had them all along on our Christmas cards right in front of us. He's there. He's, He's wonderful. He's a counselor, He's the mighty God. He's the everlasting Father. He's the Prince of Peace. All we have to do is believe in His mercy. Trust His will or plan for each day within our lives. Believe in a powerful God that His righteousness will prevail. He is our only source of safety and protection. And as our supreme commander, He has an obligation to bring us safely home. Then He can say, it's finished. No more will evil ever come up. And it's all been on a Christmas card. And we get it and we read it and then we toss it aside and say, well, until next year, we keep getting them over and over and over again each year for Christmas. Maybe, maybe God's trying to tell us something. Here's my name. It's right before you. Why don't you trust me? Why do you only look at it once a year? I want Frank and his singers to come forward because I want to ask you a question, but to set up the question, I need to share the last verse of the hymn that they're going to sing. If you guys want to get up here and get ready, because right after I... Read this. I want you to sing this. You see, in the in the closing hymn, they're going to sing, "Lo, how rose air blooming." It's, it's referring and looking at Christ. Isaiah was foretold it. The rose I have in mind. With Mary, we beheld it. The Virgin Mother, kind, to show God's love, a right she bore to them a Savior. When half spent was the night. The coming of Jesus as a babe is the fulfillment of the prophecy that we read in the book of Isaiah. Now, what I want you to do is that if you believe in the name of Jesus now, as they're singing this song, I want you to make a commitment. A commitment to Jesus that I'm going to follow him because of his name Where'er he may take us. Listen to this song. You, the question Do you believe in the name of Jesus today? It's the only way we're going to be able to get through. Now, our day to day process of life itself if I don't believe in the name of Jesus, I'm on my own power. On my own power, I will fail. Let's bow our heads now. May the Lord Jesus Christ, has promised not only to be with us, and we have chosen to accept his name, but he's promised the power of his Holy Spirit to guide our very steps in a plan that He has for us each day through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.